Welcome back to Moon Harbor Heroes. Today's issue is Storyteller, issue 17, Like Ships. On the cover, we see two people, in full-body swimming suits, sitting on what looks like a raft in the middle of the ocean, staring up at the sky. In the constellations, we see a fox and a lynx, maybe fighting, maybe dancing. We turn the page, and our story begins. The first page of our comic opens on the storyteller at a beach. He's in one of those old-fashioned striped bathing suits and has sunglasses over his eyes. He lowers the glasses to look at the readers, saying, As we explore concurrent hearts, time's needle flits and tears apart. Lives are not consecutive one after the other, not generational like daughter from mother. No love can jump around like a hare, from the ancient past to a future far out there. And here find the lovers in an ocean adrift, in this next storyteller issue, Like Ships. He puts the sunglasses back on his face and lifts the comic up to read it. It has the cover we saw earlier. We turn the page and our story begins. Hi everybody! Welcome back to another Crossing the Seven Stars game. Uh, I'm T, and I'm going to be playing one of the iterations of Missing Links and Vixen in this uh, game. And with me today, I have... Manny Anglemau. Excellent. Before we get started, Manny, can you uh, tell the people at home a little bit about who you are? Yeah, I'm a Baltimore-based performance artist, director, writer. Uh, I, I like RPGs, uh, just overall nerd. Perfect. But today we are playing Knowing You, which is a uh, two-player prompt-based RPG by Summer. Uh, Summer can be found at Just a Summer Job on Twitter, and I believe at Just a Summer Job on Itch as well. Uh, If that is incorrect, I will mm, update that in the show notes and re-record that. Uh, So Knowing You is a two-player prompt-based game where we actually start at the end of a relationship and work our way all the way back to the beginning. Um, So the very first scene we like play or questions we answer will deal with the last time we ever saw each other. And then uh, we go back and answer questions through a bunch of different iterations of our relationship. Before we start, we will answer uh, five questions about our partners, about our partner written down. And we will actually share those answers at the end of this. So that's actually the first step. But before that, I guess we should probably pick like a... We don't need to like know anything about our characters besides a name and when and where we are. So with this being the iteration of Crossing the Seven Stars, the only stipulations of this are that we don't end up together, which knowing you inherently does, and then uh, that we name each other. So Manny will name me and I will name them. So Manny, where do you want to have this take place? Trying to think of a a time period that was not depressing. (laughs) Oof. Let's head in the future. Ooh, I really like that. Maybe we met at like a an underwater bunker or something. All right. Uh, and that's all we know. Now we have to name each other. All right. So to go first, I think your character is named Dox. D-O-X. Yours will be uh, Shervindar. Uh, we'll go with Sher for short. Given that this is crossing the seven stars... Uh, we will be playing lesbians, but again, lesbians can have any pronouns, so what will Dox's pronouns be? Uh, let's do they there. Perfect. I think Cher is she, her. All right. Uh, and then the other rule, because this is a Cross in the Seven Stars game played using Knowing You, 
is that one of us remembers the previous lifetimes. So I will remember the previous lifetimes. Uh, so I will remember that we have met in the past. Okay, so now we're going to take a moment and each of us will write down the answers to these five questions. All we know is that we met at an underground underwater bunker. The first questions are, uh, what about them caught your eye? What did you first admire about them? What did they say or do that made you smile? What do you wish you had said to them that you didn't? And how did you know they would change your life forever even then? So we answer these quietly and uh, we don't share these with each other till the very end. All right, uh, so uh, now what we're going to do is we're going to go through and answer these questions about our partner. Um, so the first round is a our, our last day. So the partner who first considered ending the relationship will answer the questions first. Do you think you were the first one to consider ending the relationship or do you think I was? I think I was. Awesome. Okay, so then I will ask you those questions and you will answer them. Uh, one rule about this game uh, for listeners at home is that we might say things that contradict each other um, because this is people remembering a relationship. And obviously you're going to remember the good, better, and the bad, worse. And so there will be times where Manny might say something as Doc's about share that I d- d- contradicts what I said earlier. That's totally okay. You're not allowed to amend or like be like, oh, actually what happened was. You just tell it what happened in your point of view. Uh, So the first question for this is, how did you know it would be our last meeting? I I had decided, Cher, that it was was too painful for me to continue seeing you without being able to to touch you, to hold you, to be able to share our lives together that we had before. And so I felt it was just better to disappear into the background to ghost, I guess. What did I say or do that made you cry? You fought me on it. You, you said... You're my person, and I'm not letting you go that easily. I I was lost after that. What did you say that you regret? I, uh... I told you that I didn't love you anymore, and that you didn't actually matter. I, I don't know why I thought it was okay to say that at the time but i i think about it pretty much every day ever since what was the last thing i said to you you said if this is what you've decided i'll respect it that's it it was quite abrupt oof and then last question did you ever really love me I don't think there can be any doubt in anyone's mind that I I really did love you, Shervendar. I mean, what is there that isn't to love? Excellent. And then uh, now we take just a brief moment. And when you're ready, you ask me that set of questions. Okay. How did you know it would be our last meeting? You had been avoiding me for days, like actively not talking to me 
not responding to messages, which I think is really difficult in a post-apocalyptic world because like we were both trying to survive and coexist. And so there was a lot of rage in me. And I think honestly, if you hadn't ended it, I probably would have because I saw the writing on the wall and I was really worried about getting hurt. What did I say or do that made you cry? It was when you said you didn't love or love me, that I never meant anything to you. I think I held it together at the moment, but like, after it was gone, after you were gone, I fully broke down. What did you say that you regret? It was the moment when I looked at you and said, I know that you feel for me, I know that we have these feelings, and... Nothing in this world matters except for you and I. And I think it was too much pressure. And I think there had been a chance that maybe I could have saved it. But I have a lot of regret that you were pushed away from me by that moment. What was the last thing I said to you? You said sorry. And that was probably the most painful thing you could have said. Did you ever really love me? From the moment I saw you. And now we take a second, and uh, the partner who never raised their voice will ask the questions first. Who do you think that was? I think probably me. Alright, so this next set of questions is our last fight. What was I upset about? Well, I guess our last fight was the last time we really saw each other, so... You're upset about me, um... Breaking your heart, I guess. What did I say that you know I didn't mean? You were definitely really hurt, so you kind of took it out on me and attacked my character a little bit. I mean, some of it was fair, but I think one of the things that you said that really hurt that probably didn't mean was that you felt like I had fabricated this entire person and that the person standing before you now, you had no idea who I was. Did I deserve your anger? Oh yeah, absolutely. I said some, um, some, some terrible things. I, I mean, we were so young. I just, I, I, didn't know how to... I was never in love before. I, I, I didn't know what to do when, you know, things were no longer healthy. Did you resent me for mine? For a while, I think. I I didn't understand why it had to be the way that it was and why your anger lasted for so long. But that... That faded over time, for sure. Were you willing to forgive me? Of course. I could never... I I couldn't say mad at you. I've never been able to. I just... I couldn't. What was I upset about? Ironically for me, I don't think that I think of that last fight as our last fight. I think uh, Cher very much thinks of like that last fight as past the point of fighting. I think that our last fight was like a couple weeks earlier, even a couple days earlier. 
And I think it was just one of those, like, you snapped about something really small. We have to seal up our homes every night to ensure that, uh, like, the gas doesn't get in, the poisonous gas from the outside. And I think, like, I thought you were coming home, so I didn't seal it up. But you weren't coming home, so the gas got in and, like, I got a little bit sick. Like, not deathly ill, just, like, stomach fluey. And you, like, blew up at me about it. What did I say that you know I didn't mean? You called me childish, and you called me immature, and it was just a lot of, like, attacks of of that nature. Of, like, I wouldn't have survived in this world had it not been for you. You were the only thing keeping me alive here. When we talked about, like, the fact that though you are the stronger one, we had this equal relationship and both of us needed to exist together to make this work. Did I deserve your anger? I think so. I think I got really reactionary to you getting reactionary. Um, And like, I get very cold when I'm angry. So it was a lot of like passive aggressiveness. And I think that you probably deserved it for blowing up, but also we've talked about the fact that we don't communicate well. So despite having these conversations, I think we could have handled it better. Did you resent me for mine? I don't think so. I think I was just mainly sad because I really loved you, Docs. And I could tell that like, this wasn't about the door being open and me getting sick. This was about you knowing that this was over. And I saw the writing on the wall. And so I think it was like, I was really hurt and really sad, but I don't think resent ever crossed my mind. I don't think I was ever angry at you for making the choice to end it. Were you willing to forgive me? I really want to say yes, but I think at that point I was trying to protect myself and like close myself off. So I think the concept of forgiveness implied a vulnerability that I was trying really hard not to show anymore. So, no, I don't think I was. I think knowing that we were going towards the cliff, I was like, well, we might as well just jump. So the partner who was more outspoken about their feelings will answer these questions first. Uh, Yeah, I feel like that was probably you. (laughs) Yeah, I had the same thought. Uh, So this is a strained moment. This is a strained moment near the end of the relationship. How could you tell I was tense without asking? It was the way you moved. You normally were so, like, agile and graceful in the way you moved. Like, there was a lot of speed, but also you never knocked into anything. You never knocked stuff down. But there was a carelessness to your movement. And it really scared me because I was like, there's something going on and I don't know what it is. What did you do to try and help me? I tried really hard to make like a really big, nice dinner. Like I could tell you were stressed about something and I was like, oh, well, okay, I'm going to just like, I'm going to go out. I'm going to get some food. I'm going to make this like elaborate setup that reminds us of the old times because I want to like get us to a place where we're both happy and like memory is often the best way to do that. Did you blame yourself for my mood? Why or why not? I think I blame myself for most of your moods. I think I often took the onus on myself for any of your emotions. 
I think I took the onus on myself for any emotions at all in the relationship. So I assumed I had to have done something, even though I didn't know what I did. What did I do to make you doubt my feelings for you were genuine? It was the like long silence during dinner. Like you sat down, you ate, you were a little bit smoother, but it was just so quiet. And normally like you're not the kind of person to be quiet. You talk a fair bit, but also like there's like murmuring when you eat and like you're the kind of person who like hums when they eat and is like, mm, that's really good. And while that used to drive me crazy, the silence was like really unnerving. How long did your doubt last? I think that was the first like straw, like the first domino. And I don't think that doubt ever went away. How could you tell I was tense without asking? Well, the strange moment that I'm thinking of is when we tried having sex and and weren't able to about a month before we parted for good. It just, no matter what I tried, I mean, we'd been together for, what, five years I I knew your body inside and out at that point, and you weren't responding to any of the things that that we had built together. I guess the the choreography that we were used to was off. There was just this far away look in your eye that you weren't with me. What did you do to try to help me? Not enough. I don't think. I I could tell that there was something going on. I I didn't know what to do, so I I turned around and I I went to bed. Do you blame yourself for my mood? Why or why not? I still don't know if I was the cause of your mood, but I know for a fact that my my choices definitely didn't help. I I definitely can take the blame for that. What did I do to make you doubt my feelings for you were genuine? Before we before we started having sex, I looked you in the eye and I said, I don't know if I have ever loved anyone this much. And you were distracted. I don't think you quite heard me. So uh, you looked back and you said, that's really nice. I <laughs> I don't know, it was just such an awkward moment for me and it kind of caught me off guard. It, it, it really had me wondering whether or not what we had was real. How long did your doubt last? It lasted <sighs> probably to this day, honestly. You know, I... It was definitely one of the things that that got me so in my head about our relationship. It, it made me wonder if any of it really was real. And, I mean, it's really insecure of me. I should have just talked to you about it, but it was, it's been really hard to shake. I don't know. It felt like A lot of our time was just a fever dream. 
All right. So the next set of questions is a secret exposed and the partner who lied the most will ask the questions first. I feel like that's going to be kind of hard to determine between the two of us. I think it was me. Or at least in my mind, I think it was me. Like, looking back, there's a lot of lies that I see. So I think that's where I am. What had you been keeping secret from me? And how did I find out? I didn't tell you about my previous marriage to a man. And you found out the day that he came to our our home in the bunker he he was from a a, a neighboring um, underwater abode um, and and was visiting came to pick up the rest of his stuff and I wasn't there. You opened the door. Uh, you invited him in for coffee. And you found out everything. Why did you keep it from me? You were so confident and, and strong in yourself. You knew who you were, and I don't know, I I never had that. I was really worried that you weren't going to accept who I was if I had been with someone so different. Who did you trust with the secret, and why? My sister knew. She kind of had to. We... We needed someone to be a witness to the union. Um, and she was the closest friend that I had. She she wouldn't have, have told you or, or let anyone know unless, unless I had given her the permission to do so. Are you glad you kept it from me? I don't know. I'm... I'm glad for the the ease that it allowed for us to be able to to grow as a couple outside of outside of expectations outside of me fearing that it would get in the way of our relationship but i mean <laughs> the blowout that it caused honestly i mean there's no way that i could possibly be happy about that i regret all of the pain that it caused for sure all in all did you trust me no but it wasn't about you every day i walked out of our bunker we lived in in we lived together in in such a a dangerous world that I always felt like I needed to protect you from things outside, from yourself even, but that wasn't it. What, what it really was, was that I didn't know how to trust myself. And if I couldn't trust who I was, I, I 
I most definitely could not trust you, my most valuable and chaotic decision. What had you been keeping secret from me and how did I find out? So I think it goes back to the whole, I remember all of our past lifetimes thing. I had this like premonition-y sense that like we were soulmates and destined to be together, but all like that it was going to end in maybe not violence, but negativity and explosions essentially. And I think that one of our friends casually mentioned it to you because they were like, oh my God, isn't Cher so funny with her whole like, you two are soulmates from past lives thing. And I think it came across as a surprise because you're like, what are you talking about? Why did you keep it from me? On our first date, you told me you didn't believe in magic. And that you didn't... It wasn't even that you didn't believe in soulmates. It was that you didn't believe in magic. And I've been like talking about like the magic of the stars and the magic of the world, even though the world that we were in was terrible and scary. And you were like, I mean, I think we make the magic we want in the world, but there's no inherent magic in it. And I was like, oh, well, then they're definitely not going to believe this thing that I felt the second I saw them. Who did you trust with the secret and why? Uh, We had a neighbor who was kind of like our best friend. Um, And I think I had known them longer than you had. I had known them for probably my entire life. And I don't think I knew how jealous they were of our relationship, which may have been why they said something, even like offhand and callously. But I have known them forever, so of course I trusted them. Are you glad you kept it from me? Yeah. I think you wouldn't have ever spoken to me had you known that. Like, I think it was so much pressure. And you had this whole, like, we have to do the work to make the relationship work thing, where I had this, like, predestination thing. And I think you would have felt a ton of pressure by that concept. So, I don't know, I think a large part of me thinks that that is why we fell apart, is because you learned that secret. All in all, did you trust me? Definitely. I, one of the reasons that I even bothered staying when you said, like, you didn't believe in magic is because of the effort that you wanted to put into making the world magical for me. And this, like, inherent strength that you embodied to make the world feel safer and to protect me. And I don't think I needed that protection, but also it felt really nice to be protected. I'm not even gonna lie. This is getting, like, sad. (laughs) If I cry by the end of this, I blame you. I know. It's heart-wrenching. I know, right? The questions do get a little bit happier, which also is kind of sadder, because, like, as it gets happier, you're also like, but shit, it ended so poorly. I know! (laughs) All right, uh, we'll take a beat, and then when we're both ready, we can go on to the next set of questions. The partner who wanted to move in together will answer the questions first. I think that was me. That feels right, yeah. So I'll ask the questions first, then. 
When did you start considering me when making plans for the future? Oh, sorry. Uh, this is uh, our future is the name of the category here. So when did you start considering me when making plans for the future? As as soon as I saw you, I I was already planning our wedding, the kids we were going to have, the future that we would share if the world ever resurfaced. I had this vivid image of us walking along a beach and not not a hollow beach a real beach it was so vivid in my mind i just knew that someday it would happen i mean it didn't but you made me feel like it did what did you sacrifice for the plans i had made a little bit of my adventurous spirit i knew that after where you came from after your childhood. I knew that all you wanted was a nice place to sleep and someone to share it with. And I don't think I I realized how much time that would consume. I guess doing all of the dangerous things that I was used to from my past, it had to completely go away. And so my my sense of adventure the, the the thrill of everyday life i think i i chose to pack it away what did you see me sacrifice for yours i saw you sacrifice little bits of yourself for me my adjustment to a completely different lifestyle made me volatile in in ways that i I didn't quite understand all of that energy that I had been expending before in the outside, quote unquote, outside world was being aimed directly at you. So I saw the moments where you would just disappear, I think, for a little while so that you could protect yourself and your happiness. When you thought about our future, what were you the most excited for? I was excited for our love to change the world. <laughs> oh god, that's such a lesbian thing to say, but <laughs> it's true. You're such a genius. And I was a mover and a shaker and between the two of us, we were going to get to the moment where we could walk on a beach if it was the last thing we did. And I could not wait to to see you get there to see you holding my hand and and uh lifting me up in in such a prolific and powerful way even when we were at our worst did you still believe i was your forever i thought i did i think so it's hard to say this when i was the one who broke it off but even through all of my insecurities and my concerns that you didn't truly love me, it's always been you. You are, I guess, my one that got away. When did you start considering me when making plans for the future? I was really resistant to it at first, like actively tried not to. Because again, remembering like every previous lifetime, I knew that they'd all ended in pain. And assumed that, like, this one would end in pain, too. 
So I tried really hard not to. But it was, like, when you started, like, moving stuff into my apartment, or into, like, my part of the bunker, when you were like, well, I mean, I might as well just keep some clothes here, and I might as well just, like, keep a spare pillow and blanket, because you use really soft pillows, and I like them a little bit more firm. And it was a lot of, like, that kind of stuff, where I was like, well, shit, I guess, like, now we're cohabitating, and I guess this is a thing now. And I kind of thought that I'd be the one to, like, or that we would be the ones to, like, break the curse of this negativity what did you sacrifice for the plans i had made it was a lot of the like not caring about myself and not caring about like honestly whether i lived or died not in like a mental illness self-harmy kind of way but like i loved the stars and i used to go sit up on the roof in the air knowing that it was like toxic like on the roof of the bunker where i could be above the sea level and like stare at the stars and it was something that you like indulge in a little bit at the beginning of the relationship but then you were like you're gonna get sick if you keep doing that and eventually started like pulling me in and I lost a lot of the like carefreeness which is a good thing and also a bad thing when you thought about our future what were you most excited for I think the same I really thought that we were going to be the ones to change the world the fact is like we were looking at stuff every single day. We were actively searching for answers. And I really thought we were going to find them. Even when we were at our worst, did you still believe I was your forever? No. I Again, I really tried to, but there were moments where I thought you were. But at our worst, I was like, this is it. This is the end. This is when we end in fire. And it just kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed. And I think it's one of the reasons why I never raised my voice, why I never yelled, because I was like, this is going to be something that ends. I know this is going to be something that ends. It's not worth damaging two people for. All right, so the next set of questions is about uh, our everyday. And the partner who was decisive about what to eat for dinner will answer the questions first. I feel like I would have been decisive about things, but also that... Like, you were probably the one who was taking care of making the food, so I would probably relegate it to you. Yeah, I feel like you were, like, the more decisive ones about most everyday kind of stuff. But in terms of, like, food and kitchen and stuff, it was me. Uh, So I will answer the questions first. What is something I do that others find irritating, and why did it endear me to you? It's the rashness. It's the, like, oh, there might be an answer out there okay, we got a clue, we're gonna go now. And, like, not planning. And a lot of people were like, they're gonna get themselves absolutely murdered. And I was like, yeah, but, like, that sense of adventure is so exciting and shiny and fun. And so different from the, like, really cautious upbringing that I had. What were the moments in which you felt closest to me? It was the moments when you wouldn't stop talking. Like, when I couldn't get a word in edgewise, and you were just like, excited about whatever new thing you found or whatever you like got for dinner like for the like whatever we hunted you exaggerated a lot of things but I could tell you were trying to impress me and so I was like I felt really close to you in those moments what was your favorite way to pass the time with me uh we had this knack for finding like hundreds of seashells like seashells aren't uncommon but we would find like loads of them 
and just sorting through the seashells on the floor of the bunker was always so interesting because I tended to look for the shiniest ones and you're like, no, but this one would make like a really good like weapon. And it was a lot of that kind of conversation. What ritual did we create that you came to rely on? Every night when we set up the bunker, you like blew it out like it was a candle, like as like the last little like breath of fresh air filtered through the filter came through. We like blew it out like it was a candle. And it's something that I still do now, like after I've moved to a different bunker. I still like blow that breath out, uh, that like uh, last breath out. Were you comfortable with me even in silence? No, but I don't think that you ever were silent. I think like even in sleep, like you snored and grunted in your sleep. So it was never quiet around you. And again, like you hummed when you ate and you like made sounds and very much that like you are a noisy person at all times. What is something I do that others find irritating and why did it endear me to you? You start almost every interaction with the phrase, okay, but picture this. And <laughs> it took a while for some people to um, to catch on, but there are only so many people in an underwater bunker. Eventually, everybody got to the point <laughs> where they knew this quirk and were not looking forward to picturing anything. Because most of the time, you didn't really have anything to say after that. To be fair, when you did, they were really good. It's the the moments of the the clever moments, the the impulsive ones, the ones that just shot out of your mouth as if as if just a complete brain fart from you that were just so genius and hilarious and had everyone crying. That is why I loved it so much. What were the moments in which you felt closest to me? It was in the beginning when you were a little bit healthier and we could go up and look at the stars just feeling so vast and just so connected with everything and you being a part of that everything those were were definitely the moments when when i felt like there there was no beginning and no end between us what was your favorite way to pass the time with me i'm torn one of them was in the morning before you would wake up, I would just lay there for, it felt like hours, just looking at how peaceful you were playing with your hair. But if we're talking about when you were awake, I, I would definitely say finding shells was my favorite way to pass the time with you as well. What ritual did we create that you came to rely on? You, you found these books. I, I still have no idea where you found books, <laughs> but you did. You found two ripped, torn up, all of the pages, just completely messy, just books of poetry. The ink was fading off, but every night you would read poetry to me from these books. And even if there was an entire chunk of that was cut out or the ink had faded to the point where you couldn't see anything on the page. You would just fill in the gaps with your brain. You would just make things up and you do this 
every night before we went to bed. That changed my life. Were you comfortable with me even in silence? No, but I feel like that's more of a testament as to who I am as opposed to my comfortability level with you. (laughs) My brain wouldn't stop going. So any silence was deafening. But then on top of that, it just felt like if I couldn't keep going, if I couldn't expand this moment in time and fill the room in as many ways as possible, then it would be like a bubble that was about to burst. Like it would pop and and we'd be on completely different sides of the ocean floor. All right, so the partner with the hotter hotter temper will answer the questions first. That sounds like you. Yeah, that's me. (laughs) Sorry, this is uh, our first fight, and this is some time ago, so this is earlier in the relationship. What did I do that made you angry? You had seriously hurt yourself in a way that could have been prevented. You weren't being mindful of of your surroundings, and, and you... I don't know how you did this, but you came home and there was just a chunk of you missing and you were bleeding and it was a mistake, of course, but you weren't paying attention. In what way did I misunderstand you? You thought that me expressing my anger was a uh, a way of showing that I didn't care about you because I was yelling at you while you were seriously injured. I felt like you thought that I didn't love you because I was being so what you said was cruel in the moment. You used those words. I was only trying to express how much I loved you. And uh, yeah, that was pretty fucked up now that I think about it. Why did you continue to argue even after, even when I tried to reconcile? I was worried. We had talked about how dangerous the situation had become for everyone involved. People were getting sicker so much easier. There was barely any food that we could get that was fresh. There was absolutely no medicine to speak of. I mean... I had to sew you up myself. All of those things were were running in my mind as I was looking back at all of the other dangerous things that you had been doing and ignoring me about when I was expressing my concern. I wasn't sure you were going to... I wasn't sure it was going to get through your skull, honestly. And you do have a thick one. Were you in the right, or was I? I don't think there was a right or a wrong. Probably. I I mean, you have every right to your body and to what you do with it. I was just... I, I didn't want to... I didn't want to lose you. I was wrong. I was wrong for not being able to show you the care that you needed in that moment. What did I say to make you forgive me? Well, you said a lot of things. But I think the one that I remember the most is that you said, trust me, 
just trust that I I can do this. I can do this on my own. Trust that I will take care of myself. And, I mean, after that, I didn't have anything else to say. What did I do that made you angry? It was actually a couple hours before that incident. It was, like, the day, like, when I left, right before I got injured. And it was one of those where you were, like, talking down to me a little bit. Um, And I don't think you even recognized that I was in anger. Like, I was feeling this much, like, frustration with you. Because I think you were trying to be so, like, cautious and protective. And I was just like, I just want to go for a swim. I just want to go out and, like, be on my own. I don't need protection. Yeah, it was very much that. It was like, I don't need you to coddle me. I'm not a child. In what way did I misunderstand you? I think you thought I was playing. Like, my, like, frustration, you, like, joked about it a little bit. And you are like, okay, yeah, I get that. I'm a little overprotective. But, like... You thought it was, like, me, like, teasing you about it, but I was actually really annoyed. Why did you continue to argue even when I tried to reconcile? I think by the time you realized that, like, I was actually frustrated, I was already, like, on my way out the door. And I was like, we'll talk about this later, we'll talk about this when I get home. Because, honestly, I was annoyed and didn't want to have the conversation. And I think I left before we could reconcile. Were you in the right or was I? You were in the right when it came to wanting to protect me and wanting to communicate about it. I think I was in the right for my frustration. What did I say to make you forgive me? It was after I got home and was seriously injured. There was never an I told you so. It was just like, you were so angry that I was so hurt. And though I was admittedly frustrated that you were yelling at me while I was bleeding out on our carpet... There was a lot of, like, love in it. And I could tell that you were really affectionate in your fear. And that really endeared me to you. Because I think it was the first moment where I realized, like, oh no, they would actually be pretty devastated if we were done. The partner with the most baggage will answer the questions first. I think that's I think you. it's me. Yeah. <laughs> What insecurities did you carry over from the relationship before ours? I don't think I had a relationship before ours. I think like this was my first serious adult relationship. And so a lot of the fears were about my insecurity because you were a little bit older than I am. And also like, I knew you'd been in relationships before. I didn't know you'd been married, but I knew you'd been in relationships before. So I was really terrified that like you were more confident and mature and like capable of being in a relationship. When I shared with you my own insecurities, what did you do to allay them? I think you probably expressed some of those same concerns, like that I was so young and immature in a lot of ways. And though I think it was probably not healthy, I think I probably used that. I think you probably used sex as a tool in that capacity to be like, no, look how like adult I am. Like, I can have sex, I can have sex well, like a, like a person. That was probably not healthy, but I do think it probably allayed your fears a little bit, at least in the moment. Were you fearful that I would hurt you? Given what I knew about our past, absolutely. Had I hurt you already unknowingly? No, I don't think so. I think you may have done things that were hurtful, 
but I don't think I acknowledged that they were hurtful. I don't think I ever like felt any real pain from it. I was very much like in rose-colored glasses world and that whole like Bojack Horseman when you wear rose-colored glasses all the red flags just look like flags kind of thing. In what ways did you feel more distant from me after this? At that point I really thought that sex was all our relationship was because that was how I assuaged those fears and I was like oh they're never gonna see me as a person they're gonna see me as this sexual object and I thought we were never gonna like be anything serious what insecurities did you carry over from the relationship before ours I think I learned pretty quickly in my relationship with Paul that telling people the truth when it's going to hurt them isn't always necessarily the best idea and so sometimes it's just better to internalize things i i was very insecure about expressing how i was actually feeling because i honestly didn't know how it was going to be it wasn't exactly encouraged in my relationship so I didn't feel like I could express myself when I shared with you my own insecurities what did you do to allay them you were worried a lot about whether or not I took you seriously in in some ways I think, uh, I thought that I was taking you seriously, but I also didn't necessarily trust that everything that you were saying was actually how you felt. So I did my best to be positive and encouraging in those moments and to keep us moving forward and... I, I tried to be physically affectionate as, as much as I could. Were you fearful that I would hurt you? Yes, I was. Had I hurt you already unknowingly? I don't think it was anything that you did. I think I, I put myself in a situation to be hurt. I, I started this relationship really soon after... My marriage fell apart. I tried to push myself to be the the best I possibly could for you. And I, I only ever found myself wanting. So you didn't hurt me. I, I think it was me doing it to myself. In what ways did you feel more distant from me after this? I think I could kind of tell that you wanted to solve a lot of our issues through making up afterwards and having this really exciting sex life and and you you would try to engage in that as much as possible especially after uncomfortable conversations that we had fights I 
wanted to be able to provide with you what you wanted, I also didn't really feel like we were connecting when we were doing it. All right. The partner who first admitted their romantic romantic feelings will ask the questions first. Uh, I think it was probably you. Okay, I thought so. Too. I was very, trying trying really hard to resist it. I think so. That was probably you. Okay. What about me made you nervous? You were a major flirt, and I didn't think you were taking this seriously because there was a, like there was this confidence and this strength, and a lot of people looked to you as a protector. So I often thought that you weren't taking us seriously. What moment between us was awkward but made you laugh anyway? The bunker doesn't have a lot of privacy. And there was a lot of gossip around uh, the fact that we were starting to date. And there was a moment where, like, you, like, opened the door for me to, like, go to, like, a private room for the dinner we were going to have. And... As you opened the door, there was all sorts of, like, giggles and whispers, because all of our friends and neighbors are all children. And I think we both were, like, super uncomfortable. But as soon as the door closed, we just, like, burst out laughing. What did I do or say that gave you butterflies? While I was eating, I dropped my fork. And, like, due to the nature of the apocalyptic world, like, you cannot use, uh silverware after it's at the ground like you have to wash it and i think like we usually like put extra silverware on the table for that reason uh like we usually have like an extra set or two but i went to pick it up and you like snatched it and like basketball shot like shot it into the sink and i laughed but also like it was so charming and confident that i was very uh intrigued what do you remember most about the way I looked? You had this, this like scratch across your face, like cut across your face. It wasn't like scary or intense, but it was just like a cut that started right around the middle of your cheek and went up to about your ear from something you'd been doing earlier, some adventure you'd been on earlier. And it kind of looked like a crooked smile. I never commented on it, but I remember like staring at it and just thinking like I could look at that smile for the rest of time. What didn't I do that you wish I had? It was the moment at the end of the night where I casually mentioned that I was going to go up to look at the stars. And you're like, yeah, I should probably go turn in, uh, have a good night. And I really wish you had gone up with me. What about me made you nervous? I would definitely say your height. (laughs) And your laugh, it was just so boisterous and loud and it it made me nervous because I was worried that I was never going to say anything funny ever again, and I'd never be able to hear it. What moment between us was awkward but made you laugh anyway? You tried to get me to do in impressions of of old dead actors. Um, I don't. I can't act. I barely watch any any TV or any of those outdated technologies it 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 was terrible my my impression of uh who was it um uh betty white was the worst impression ever and it 
made me laugh because you were laughing. What did I do or say that gave you butterflies? You looked at me really intensely, and you said, Have we met before? What do you remember most about the way I looked? You were smiling so much, and your eyes would just shine, just every time you would. I couldn't stop looking at it. You're, you you were just so intrigued and and leaned in to anything that I was saying. What didn't I do that you wish I had? You didn't ask me to come with you when you went to go look at the stars. All right. So typically, if we were playing this in person, we would then hand our uh, questions to each other and have each other uh, read them in silence. But I do think for the audience listening, we should probably answer them out loud so the audience can get the full experience there. First question, what about them or what about me caught your eye? Uh, you were fighting with some punk who had tried to steal your food ration, making a ton of noise and kicking the shit out of them. Uh, what about me caught your eye? You literally glow when you move through the water. I don't know if it was like the the suit that you were in or whatever the case may be. But when you passed the window, I recognized you as my soulmate. What did you first admire about me? The first thing I admired was how tall you were. Oh my god, you're so tall and <laughs> and so strong. You loomed over everyone and everything and your long copper locks just swayed. Just, it was like magic. What did you first admire about me? You were incredibly brave. There was literally nothing you were afraid of, even in a world that was actively falling apart. What did you say or do that made me smile? Uh, you came racing into the bunker in this, like, massive hurry. But as soon as you saw me, you, like, winked at me. And I just got this, like, full body blush. And, like, I'd heard about you before. I'd heard that you were, like, really charming and a flirt. But I had not expected that. Uh, what did you do, or what did I do or say that made you smile? After getting your food back, you ended up staying with this kid. You gave them most of the food that that they had tried to steal to eat, and, and you made him promise to keep in touch. It was wild. <laughs> uh, what do you wish you had said to me that you didn't? I wish I had told you that I had never seen anyone act so kind in this damn hellhole. What do you wish you had said to me that you didn't? I wish I had told you to fuck off, honestly, because you were such a confident fuck that it either would have totally blown up in my face, and that I probably wouldn't have had to deal with the heartache that came later, or you would have been incredibly alert by it. Either way, I think it would have largely been a positive thing. How did you know I would change your life forever, even then? I suddenly remembered all the pain I'd felt in previous lifetimes, and I knew I was going to go through it again with you, but that it would also be the best experience of my life. How did you know that they would change your life forever, even then? I knew that you were going to allow me to 
open up and explore different aspects of me that I had never been able to even fathom before. All right. And for the last question, do you regret knowing me? No, not at all. Do you regret knowing me? A little. I think as my first relationship, that was huge and monumental. And yeah, it was a big one. And I don't think I will ever have a relationship that is like your relationship with me. We turn the page and see the storyteller once more, this time swimming at the beach. Above him, the clouds are gray and menacing. He turns and looks at us, saying, The future is grim and they're still not together. And do the clouds foretell more treacherous weather? So I must move on from the sand of the beach to a place safer where the storms cannot reach. Perhaps these two will find cover as well. Ah, but alas, only time can tell. He submerges himself once more, and after several empty panels of Just Ocean, our comic comes to an end. Moon Harbor Heroes is produced by Anthony Sheets, T.B. Huth, and Elliot Peterson, and edited by Anthony Sheets and Sean Geddes. Anthony can be found on Twitter at Icy New Year or at IcyNewYear.com. T is a theater artist and educator in the D.C. area. She can be found at Playwright on Twitter or tphuth94 on Instagram. Elliot can be found at ElliotYelen on Twitter. That's E-L-L-I-O-T-Y-L-E-N. Sean can be found at The Crumpet, T-H-E-C-R-U-M-P-I-T, on Twitter. Moon Harbor Heroes is played using Masks A New Generation, written by Brandon Conway and produced by Magpie Games. Our logo was designed by Beautiful Beasties. She can be found on Instagram at beastly.doodles or on Patreon at patreon.com slash beautifulbeasties. This game of Crossing the Seven Stars was played using Knowing You by Summer, who can be found on Twitter and itch at Just a Summer Job. Shervindar was played by T. Huth. Docs was played by Manny Engelmau. They can be found on Instagram at prayingman underscore is. That's P-R-E-Y-I-N-G-M-A-N underscore I-Z-Z. Their acting work can be found through the Scattered Players at the Scattered Players on Instagram. They can also be found on the podcast A Game Called Quest at Game Called Quest on Twitter. The music in this issue was Night on the Docks Piano by Kevin McLeod. A link to his website and the license will be in the show notes. If you want to get a hold of us, email us at moonharborheroes at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at moonharborcast. If you enjoyed this issue, please leave us a review on your podcatcher of choice or tell a friend. Five-star reviews and word of mouth are really the best way for us to keep bringing these stories to more people. If you'd like to support us financially, check us out at patreon.com slash moonharborheroes. Supporting us there will give you access to bonus issues each month. And thank you for helping us save the world. We'll see you next issue.